Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Nonprofit U, a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm a consultant to nonprofits, and I specialize in community and organizational development. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. You can find Nonprofit U on Facebook and Twitter, and I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often using the hashtags Nonprofit U, GuideStar, or Marketing with 990s. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash underscore U. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions right now if you'd like. In order to use the chat room, you must open a listener-only account. You'll find a link to open the account on the page for this episode. In fact, it's right up under the chat room box. You can also email me questions at consulting at ValerieFLeonard.com. Can questions by phone and from the chat room at about the 30-minute mark. But, you know, you don't necessarily have to wait 30 minutes before you start posting. And again, you can email me questions, and the call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. Today's topic is using Form 990 as a marketing tool. We'll talk about how to maximize fundraising opportunities for the year end and beyond through transparency and disclosure. And when we talk about transparency, we're basically just talking about an organization sharing not only what decisions have been made, what data they might have that might be of interest to stakeholders, but how they came to those decisions and how they may have generated those data in some cases. It, it all depends on the audience and how detailed you want to get. But generally, transparency tells you what, how, and why. And, you know, disclosure, when we talk about disclosure, we're basically, you know, sharing information about our organizations. And for this purpose, we're talking about disclosure on the information return 990. And I'm sorry I had to take just a little bit time from our normal introduction. I didn't want to take for granted that people understood exactly what we were talking about. And then sometimes different people mean different things by transparency and disclosure. So I just wanted to give that frame. And we'll also be looking at Form 990 again, which is your information return. And we'll be looking at how to use that with regulatory compliance and reporting and how important those documents are, especially with respect to disclosure, are in terms of using your GuideStar profile, which we'll hear more about, and how to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. And we'll also share samples from very well-prepared Form 990s and GuideStar profiles. And we encourage you to call in with questions at about the 30-minute mark. You can start posting in the chat room and emailing questions right now if you'd like. Again, my email address is consulting at ValerieFLeonard.com. If you want to participate in the live chat, you must open an account, and the link is found on the episode page right up under the chat room. Again, the call-in number is 347-884-8121. Nonprofit and community development professionals are especially encouraged to call in, share your stories, share your strategies. If you have experience with your own profile um, or any questions as you complete your profiles, please feel free to do so. And also, before we get started, I want to let you know, point your attention to the fact that Holly will be speaking or referencing some handout, some slides on a handout, and we have included a link to those handouts. Those handouts, well, the link is in the comment section on the episode page. So um, before Holly comes on, it might be a good idea if you can click on to the handout so that you can follow along 
as she references certain slides. So thank you again for joining us today, Holly. Can you give us My a brief overview of GuideStar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Valerie, um, first let me just start by saying how much we really appreciate the chance to be on the show today um, and to be talking with your audience. It's a wonderful opportunity, so thank you. Um, so awesome. a little bit about GuideStar. GuideStar was founded in 1996, and really from the beginning the organization has been focused on helping the nonprofit sector to produce and disseminate information about the work that it's doing. Um, the goal back then mm-hmm. and the goal today really continues to be how do we use data to increase transparency and help improve the sector by giving stakeholders uh, the information that they need to get new insights and make better decisions. So whether that's mm-hmm. the nonprofit that's looking to improve how it's delivering a service, um, a grant maker who's trying to maximize impact in a given geographic region or sector, um, or a researcher who's trying to understand how nonprofits fit into our economy and the impact that they have, or you know the the average donor who is really looking to make sure that their contributions are going to an organization that will use funds wisely. Um, all of those mm-hmm. different stakeholders use data. Um, and GuideStar has really historically um, been focused on that and continues to do that in new and innovative ways. Um, you know, I say historically because when you think about um, not that long ago, we used to distribute information on compact discs or print media. Wow. And, you know, today the vast majority of the ways we um, help people to learn about the sector are Internet-based. Um, and a lot of folks know about our web services. We actually have four different categories of services. So I'll, I'll, I'll start with what I think most people are familiar with, which is um, our website. Individual donors, mm-hmm. um, the general public may go there at any given time. And there's a wealth of current information and historic information. Um, what a lot of people don't know is there's a whole layer of subscription services that we have um, that are designed to help grant makers and researchers do more detailed due diligence and research. Um, so that's like a mm-hmm. software as a service that really lets people drill into our data. And then you um, you mentioned our profile program, and that's actually a really important um, component of what we do. So you know we've talked a little bit already about those IRS filings, and that data is a mm-hmm. really critical baseline, but it's often slow to become available. Um, it has a more financial and compliance bent to it. And so we realized there was a gap and an opportunity to help the nonprofit community communicate, share more information um, than is required by the IRS. And so that nonprofit profile um, program is really the tool to help nonprofits do that. The the third thing that we offer is something we call a platform service that – is a a framework that can plug into national donor advised funds and regional community foundations so that there's a full tool set embedded right within those programs to help literally hundreds of thousands of donors um, who are pretty planful across the country do their research before making a grant. Um, The last thing I'll touch on is we have a data and knowledge services area where we either um, we're giving people organizations access through API services or direct data extracts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, have you ever um, used Amazon Smile, Valerie? No, I have not. Um, can you share with us, you know, what yeah, it's about? So, yeah, Amazon Smile and Facebook are, are um, some examples where the GuideStar data services is basically powering giving platforms. Um, so that's another way that even though the data isn't on the GuideStar site, it's really feeding into and supporting um, fundraising um, platforms all around the country. And, you know, oh, last awesome. but not least is we also do a lot of media requests. So if we get um, calls from from the um, different organizations, media organizations doing research, we're helping in that space too. Okay, awesome. And you have just gone over the first two slides in the handouts. Is that correct? Thank you. I'm so sorry. I'm not good at sort of queuing up the, the you're exactly right. No, that's no, that's no problem. We're here we're here for one another, right? Yes. 
We sure are. <laughs> so in the run-up to the end of the year, which, oh, my goodness, is just two weeks away, you know, as of the date of this re- <laughs> recording, um, many organizations are preparing their pitches for year-end fundraising, you know, and that's well and yeah. good. However, after they generate the social media messages and tell their stories, they, they still, at the end of the day, need to deal with financial disclosure and compliance, yeah. so those reports yeah. with the state and federal government, right? Yeah. So can, can you tell us a little bit about the importance of nonprofit disclosure and transparency as they sure. relate to the financial reporting and fundraising? Yeah, absolutely, and this ties to slide three, so thank you for the tea mm-hmm. on that. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, obviously, nonprofits obviously need to comply with state and federal requirements every year, um, and at mm-hmm. the federal level, for most nonprofits, this involves some sort of annual filing of the appropriate version of the Form 990, and the data in that form um, provides the baseline for financial transparency, both to regulators but also to the general public. Um, and we also know from looking at the Money for Good study um, that individual donors, foundations, advisors, they're also looking for this, the same kinds of things from nonprofits, financial information and measures of effectiveness and impact. Okay, and so, can I stop you right there? Wait, how yeah, can I you stop sure you right can. There? Yeah. Okay, now I believe that you guys – have links to that study on your website. Is is that correct? The money for I, I good? believe so as well. And I'll make a note to follow up and just double check on where that is and send that to you. Yes. Okay, great. And if if it is, then I will make a point of uploading a link in the comment section. You know, I, I downloaded it, you know, for my own research about a year or so ago yep. and it's a very, very good report. In fact you did I, I believe you did the report twice. Updated, yes. it. but um, at any rate, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I no, that's didn't mean okay. To that's great because I think people will want to know where to go for that, and it's a really rich report. But you know, if you had to bubble up just two things when you think about trying to tell a story to to donors, to potential um, funders, that financial information and then measures of success, right? And so. I think while nonprofits recognize that they obviously have to comply with the requirements to to submit their 990, I I think not as many realize that those filings are broadly available to the public, and they provide a really terrific opportunity for to share their financial and their impact story in a way that really mm-hmm. builds credibility among the people and the foundations who they are asking to support them. Okay, great. And drilling down a little further, you know, I understand that for GuideStar, transparency means answering key questions for donors and other stakeholders. And yeah. in your experience, you know, what are some of those questions? Absolutely. You know, I, I mean, I think the very most basic one is what is the mission of your organization? Um, if you can't articulate that in a way that donors can connect with, um, you're not going to be able to really deepen the conversation. And, and that, that conversation is followed on by, you know, how is your organization using the funds it receives um, to, to mm-hmm. support that mission? And that leads directly into what are the key programs that you're delivering, how effective are those programs, what's the impact that they're having, is that impact growing each year? Um, mm-hmm. Other things that I think donors and funders are looking for to build confidence um, kind of tied to what I just said. Is, is the organization stable? Is it growing? Can we see signs of this? Um, mm-hmm. are, what are the funding sources? You know, Are you looking at an organization that's getting funding from a diverse set of sources or is it a single set of sources? Um, does the organization have a level of cash flow that would let them weather an unexpected event. Um, I think a lot mm-hmm. of nonprofits, you know, are trying to use dollars really effectively, but things can happen. And so seeing that the organization has maybe been able to set aside some, some funds to um, help weather an unexpected event, uh, what are the best practices that they are using in managing their organization? 
Um, do they have mm-hmm. independent board members? Do they have someone professionally prepare and review their 990 filing every year? So th- that's kind of a sampling, right, of helping mm-hmm. helping the organizations in, in the community com- share with the donors how they're how they're impacting, how they're executing on their mission, and having an impact. Okay, great, great. Now, as we look at the handout slide four, uh, what are some of the ways that GuideStar helps to facilitate the answers to some of these questions? Yeah, well, to start with, we try to provide, or we have provided for a long time, public access to 990s on the website. Um, But Mm -hmm. I'm sure you and many of our listeners are, are aware that 990s are not always easy to read and interpret. (laughs) <laughs> so we try, as we are digitizing the answers to that are provided in those 990s, um, to make that information a little more digestible and visible. Mm-hmm. And so okay. we start just very simply with presenting the organization's mission and program descriptions. Um, then we try to provide visual representations of some of that financial data in a more intuitive mm-hmm. way. So, for instance, we're... We show a graph um, that puts the revenue over the expenses over time. So you can see, mm-hmm. are those things growing evenly? Are there years where perhaps the expenses are outstripping the revenues? Um, we also mm-hmm. try to give some estimates of the number of months of cash the organization has available oh, to wow. it. So some of the things that are already in those 990s, just making that a little more intuitive for people to get a sense of the financial stability and health mm-hmm. of the organization. And then from there, we try to provide some of the organizational and leadership information along with management practices. Um, most of this data is coming from the 990 itself. Oh, that's awesome. So what you do really on this website, you're adding value, and you don't necessarily have to be have a paid subscription. Uh, what you're describing, in many ways, is basic information that will be available to most people. You know, just from looking yes. at the various, you know, just a, a yes. basic profile. Okay. Yes, you're exactly right. Yep. And you and then you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Go ahead. Oh, that, that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I stepped on you. I'm just learning to do this without a visual <laughs> cue, Valerie. Oh, that's that's okay. You know what? You and I, we have such similar personalities. It's painful. We're so polite. Okay, so um, we were talking about the fact that you glean information from the Form 990, which is the IRS informational return, and yeah. as we looked at slide five, and I don't know if you were ready to go to slide five. Yeah, um, no, that I, I would just be wanna... great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, I, I just so want... let's do that. Mm-hmm. Let's dive in. Okay. So right. there are various forms of 990, and I know yeah. that, you know, in some cases you don't have to reveal as much information. So can you walk us through that? Yes, I absolutely can. So if you are a public charity, generally you're going to be required to fill out one of these three versions of the 990. Um, There are Mm -hmm. some exceptions. So, for instance, the most common exception that people think of is a church. They are not required to file on 990. Um, And if you're unsure if your organization is required to file one of these, I would just encourage you to consult the IRS website. Their instructions are Mm -hmm. very detailed and clear. Um, But let's start with the most simple and and smallest. So the 990N um, is designed for charities with gross receipts that are less than $50,000. It's the shortest form, and candidly, it provides only the most basic information. It it tells the IRS, we're still here, and here's how you can get in touch with us. Um, The next... The next form is what they often call the short form for the 990, and that's the 990EZ. And it's required for organizations that have gross receipts of less than 200000 and total assets at the end of the tax year of 500000 So mm-hmm. this is sort of for, for mid-sized organizations. And like I said, it's a shorter form, so it, it does not have the full breadth of questions um, 
that the that the full 990 has. So that that larger long form 990 is required for organizations that have gross receipts of 200,000 or more and mm-hmm. or total assets that are um, greater than or equal to 500,000. Um, one thing I'd love to just point out to folks who are listening is that while your organization may only be required to fill out a 990 or an EZ, you can still choose to fill out the next level form. You could fill out the 990 even if you're a small organization. Um, and again, mm-hmm. there's guidance on the, web, the IRS website for that. Um, it's obviously a little more work than filling out the shorter mm-hmm. form or the N, but it gives you the ability to share more information, to be more transparent, um, and tell more of your story to the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think it's really important because I I often look up different organizations and I get frustrated when I see that an organization has only filed the postcard, which is the 990N. And like you said, yeah. it only provides very basic information, so we don't really get to know additional information, even if we go to GuideStone, and that can really yeah. work to the disadvantage of an organization. Yeah, yeah because funders yeah, funders are often proactive, and they may go to GuideStar be- before they read your proposal. You, you know, and there may yeah. be information that could be supplemental to the questions that Absolutely. they're asking. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can take, you can pull those forms down from the IRS website and look through them. Um, it's something mm-hmm. you can definitely, um, I would say, if you just take a little bit of extra time and, and even thinking about, you know, maybe investing in having someone help you prepare your 990, right? Because in many mm-hmm. cases, small organizations um, have traditionally had those forms filled out perhaps by a member of the organization, someone um, mm-hmm. often who's closest to the financial. But, you mm-hmm. you know, I would encourage an organization thinking about filling out the EZ or the 990 um, to consider having a professional CPA work with you they can really help you answer the questions more accurately, more completely. Um, and I would say it's really in partnership, right, because there are mm-hmm. many places in, in the form where you can tell your story, and a CPA might not necessarily be attuned to that aspect, like the program <laughs> descriptions, right, thinking about that language. Right. Um, so thinking about this partnership between a a financial professional, and the folks within your organization who can really help bring that, that organizational story to life in a 990. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, you know, this is not to knock accountants, but somehow you don't necessarily want your your narrative beyond the numbers yeah. <laughs> told by, by an accountant. You, you know, they, they exactly are trained. Right. <laughs> They're trained to just look at the, the bottom line, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I think it helps to have that human touch, like you said, for yep. someone to get behind the numbers. Yes, absolutely. I think that's really critical. Okay, so I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit You, and we're speaking with Holly Ivel. Holly is the Director of Data Services for GuideStar, and we're talking about ways to use Form 990 for marketing purposes. And as you know, Form 990 is typically used for financial informational um, purposes. And we'll be taking questions from our listening audience and chat room at about the 30-minute mark. The call-in number is 347-884. 8121. Again, that number is 347 884 Okay, so Holly, we've been talking about the 990, and you guys add a whole heck of a lot of value to, to Form 990. So can you tell us how GuideStar uses the data, how you get those data, both electronic sure. as well as from the yeah. paper form? And what you do yep. with it once you get it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, while we probably were the first to do this, our process for getting 990 data and, and filings is no different than what any other organization would follow today. 
we subscribe to and we pay to receive the 990 images um, through a service that's mm-hmm. offered by the IRS. You know, this information is publicly available. Um, depending on okay. whether the form is submitted electronically to the IRS or in a paper format, we have different processes for digitizing it. So we okay. will key paper forms and we may be able to pull in electronically certain elements of something that's been submitted electronically, but we have a whole process for um, really bringing that data into our database and then mm-hmm. um, and then also making the original forms themselves available. So it's this combination of being able to um, look at and combine different data elements for some of the, for instance, some of those graphs that we were talking about earlier, as well as mm-hmm. letting somebody open the form itself in a PDF um, and, and read the narrative, read the details of the form. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we've got that data and the images in our system, we're combining that with other data sources that are also available from the IRS. So, so the business master file, often known as the BMF, the Pub 78, mm-hmm. the IRS bulletin, um, OFAC information. So the, all the different programs that I talked about at the opening part of the, um, the show are leveraging these different aspects of the IRS data to help people know is the organization in good standing? When is it required to file again? What type of organization is it? Um, and so mm-hmm. all of all of that combined really feeds into that website as well as the platform and data services we were we were talking about a few minutes ago. No, oh, okay. So so basically, what what the difference is between what you do and what we the the lay person would have to do. Is you're taking these data, um, you use PDF files that you typically can't manipulate the data for, yeah. right? There's some that you have internally that will allow you to take a PDF form that you have no way of really taking the data and manipulating and performing analyses with. You can, you guys do that, and it. It, yes, um, that's exactly right. And so then it becomes okay. translated into our database in a way that um, becomes queryable and um, mm-hmm. something that you can blend with other sources of information. So it's a it's a combination mm-hmm. of multiple sources of, of data mm-hmm. um, and okay. really um, managing that to help people get um, more insights, adding some visualization layers to it, and then mm-hmm. making the um, making it all really searchable and indexable so that people are not mm-hmm. doing all that kind of heavy lifting and trying to figure out where do I go for this data on the IRS site and what does this code mean. Right. Um, it's translated into much more user-friendly language in many cases as well. Yeah, so you're saving hours, days, and depending on the project, months yeah. and years. Yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> you know, there are over 300,000 990s um, typically filed in a given year, sort of that full 990 document. So that's a lot of wow. data. Yes, and I thank you guys for it. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, the whole point is to really help provide the, the community as a whole better insights and access to the data. Okay, so, so do you want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about all the, all the uh, nitty-gritty parts of a 990? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. You read my mind. So, so what are some of the, the sections? Yeah, So, and, and I'll try to call out the places where I think there's really good opportunity for organizations to better tell their story. The 990 uh-huh. has 12 parts. Um, that's in the kind of the core form itself. Um, in addition to that, the IRS has provided, um, has 16 what they call schedules, which are they basically correspond to specific topics that might need to be covered depending on your organization's answers within that core Form 990. Um, Mm -hmm. So just just starting at the beginning, Part 1 is really a summary of key pieces of data that are actually covered in more detail in subsequent parts of the form. So ironically, Part 1 is often one of the, the sections you fill out last. Um, mm-hmm. Part two simply talks about who's prepared the form, whether it's um, a professional service or someone within the organization. 
Part three is a really critical section for any nonprofit to tell its story. So it gives you Mm -hmm. ample room to state your mission, to describe the programs you run, the the amount of funding that you um, allocate to those programs. Mm -hmm. Really, really use the space. Um, You know, the IRS is pretty specific in talking to you about um, talking to organizations about what should be in there, right? What are what's mm-hmm. the details of the program, the metrics around the program. And if for some reason you find you don't have enough room there, then there's this wonderful thing called Schedule O, which is mm-hmm. for okay. supplemental information. So you should be using that anywhere you want to elaborate on a particular response. But the bottom line is Section 3 is often underutilized and it's a great place for you to tell your story. Um, mm-hmm. Part 4 of um, the 990 has a whole series of questions that depending on the answer could trigger you to complete one of those schedules I mentioned a a few moments ago. So it could be Mm -hmm. foreign grants, domestic grants, supplemental financial information. Um, Part five is focused on questions regarding IRS filings and tax compliance that might be applicable to your organization. So things like the number of employees um, that you've filed a W-3 for as an example. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part six is governance-focused. I think this is Mm -hmm. another really great place for a nonprofit to both shine and also really to reflect on its policies and governance practices. So it's asking a lot of questions that are really considered best practices, Um, and it's a great place to think about, you know, what are we doing that helps to demonstrate that we're running a really strong um, organization from a management and governance perspective. Part seven is where you list your officers, directors, key employees, and independent contractors. This is also um, where you put compensation information. So, you know, again, if there are aspects of this section of the report that you think you would want to elaborate on, you can put that in Schedule O. Some people sometimes Mm -hmm. have questions about compensation. You can provide good descriptive information in Schedule O. Um, Part eight is focused on revenue. So this is kind of where the the form really gets into the financials of your organization. Um, Part Mm -hmm. nine is that functional statement of your expenses. So this is another key area where people who are maybe more detail-oriented, you can help people understand how your expenses align with the programs as well as your fundraising Mm -hmm. efforts. So you really want to, one sort of tip, and we'll get into this a little bit more in kind of goods and bads of 990s, but the column that is in Part 9 for program expenses should tick and tie with the total program expenses on Part 3, and you'd be surprised mm-hmm. how many times it doesn't. So um, <laughs> but that's, right. a really, that's a place where you can kind of get into the details um, mm-hmm. of how you're investing in your programs. Part 10 and 11, um, you know, these are balance sheet, assets, liabilities, reconciliation of net assets. Again, part of that core financial story. Probably more detailed than the average donor would look at, but required. Mm -hmm. Um, And part 12 is focused on financial statements and reporting, and it's another wonderful place um, for your business practices to, to demonstrate, for you to demonstrate best. So, for instance, mm-hmm. one of the questions is to indicate, have you had your financial statements audited by an independent auditor? That would give people mm-hmm. a lot of confidence knowing you'd done that. Um, mm-hmm. Let's okay. see. Yeah, I think so that kind of covers the core form. Okay, and... And I realize, you know, to our listening audience, we might be going into significant detail, but, you know, you guys just hold tight. You'll see how this all comes together, you know, as far as the Guide guide Star profiles and all that good stuff. It absolutely does, Valerie. (laughs) Right, right. So I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit You. We're speaking with Holly Ivel, Director of Data Services for GuideStar, and we're talking about ways to use Form 990 for marketing purposes. So we spent the first half of our show just kind of, you know, laying the foundation for, you know, who, the what, the where, the why. You have the 990 and the types of information, types of 990 um, you might want to file, and then we'll spend the second half 
really um, looking at ways to add value to your fundraising efforts, your management efforts, as we prepare 990 and looking at ways GuideStar can help. But before we go back into our discussion, I see that we have caller on the phone. Um, we have two callers, and I'm going to ask them individually if they have a comment, if they have questions. And um, if not, then we will proceed with our conversation, Holly. Okay? Sounds great. Okay, so the first person I'm the first person I'm asking the phone number is six two four zero five eight five. Um are there any questions? It doesn't that sound like there are any questions. Um sounds like he or she might be otherwise engaged. And then I'm going to ask persons um, with phone number 773-309-8280 if you have any any questions or comments. I'm going to turn on and see if you have any questions. So are are there any questions? Yes. Can you repeat? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, can you repeat what uh, 10 and 11 were on the 12 parts? Sure, you got So, yeah, 10 and 11 are really focused on the details of your balance sheet. So assets, liabilities, and a reconciliation of net assets. It's a particularly kind of deep financial section of the form. Okay, thank you. You bet. Okay, great. Thank you so much for calling. Alrighty, so um, I believe those were the two callers. I'll go back to caller the first caller at another time. See if by any chance he has any any questions. But in the meantime, can you share some examples of Form 990s that were not well prepared? Yeah, I sure can. And do you have slide six up? Uh, yes. So so that, hopefully you all can see, is really an example of one of the most poorly completed 990s. Um, you know, and you shouldn't even have to say it, but at the b- most basic level, I guess there's a question of, is your 990 legible? Um, that really shouldn't, <laughs> yeah. that shouldn't be where we start. But um, I think it's an example of where an organization doesn't really take seriously that this is a public document and it says a lot about their organization. Um, both to the IRS mm-hmm. and to the general public. Um, but, you know, beyond legibility, I think when we talk about something being not well prepared, we're really talking about is the information incomplete, inaccurate, inarticulate. Um, the IRS mm-hmm. instructions are actually really well written in terms of what they're asking for in each section, the level of specificity they're expecting. So, You know, if I was to see an organization describe their program in a single sentence uh, with no information about how they're run, the scale, the impact, I would say that's a poorly prepared form. Um, Other examples, and I touched on this earlier, is not cross-checking answers between the sections um, because Mm -hmm. in many cases they're supposed to match um, or align together. Um, So those types of things are really examples of, of not putting your best foot forward and in some cases really um, suggesting that, that you're not really buttoned up when you're putting your, your reporting together for the general public. Okay. Um, what about some examples of a well-prepared Form 990? Yeah, so it's almost sort of the exact opposite side of that same coin, right? So you can see that the form mm-hmm. is complete, um, you can you can tell that if if in a section of the form it calls for hours, you put in the you know you put in hours and not percentages. Your data is sick and tying. Um, you are fully describing your programs, your measures of success. Um, you have filled out Schedule O because that really should be a place where you are expanding on and providing context to some of the answers in the form. Um, so those are mm-hmm. some some nice examples. Um, to help you put your best foot forward both in reporting to the IRS and in communicating to the general public. 
No. Okay, awesome. Right, it makes Alrighty. sense. It's not rocket science. <laughs> but you know what they say about common sense, and, and I'm not saying yes. that people don't have common sense who are filling out these forms, you know, but the saying yeah. with common sense is common sense isn't very common, and we take <laughs> for granted that that everyone knows how to answer very simple questions, but that's that's not really true, and it's not a reflection on people's intelligence. No. Um, it's just a matter, I think, of understanding the language, understanding the nuances, um, yeah. making sure that what you have, even though it's accurate from a financial standpoint, it also is sellable from a marketing yeah. standpoint. Yeah. So we want to get into the guide star profile so you can yeah. tell us how do we how do we combine yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, so well, and I've when, been dying to talk about this. I know we were we were <laughs> going to kind of start with the 990, but, um, you know, we realized some years ago that all of the things we just talked about, the 990, they, they can be very good information for stakeholders, but there's a couple mm-hmm. of things. One, it's, back, it's backwards looking, right? It's often as much right. as 11 months after um, the end of the organization's fiscal year, so there's a long lag. And then additionally, depending on the size of the organization, and we've, we've touched on this, many organizations right. filing an EZ or a 990 don't have the detail um, that we just covered in that big, long discussion about the 990. So we created this profile as a way for organizations to tell their story in a more timely manner and to add information mm-hmm. that goes beyond what's in that 990 document. And then we've we've kind of categorized it so you can have four different levels of um, seals of what we call transparency. So bronze is that opening seal, and it's really about Mm -hmm. providing that basic information so that um, people who are looking for your organization can find you. They know who the core contacts are in the organization. Silver Mm -hmm. is financial-looking, and so, again, it's a chance to provide more current financial information and build trust that that, Mm – that people want to see that financial information first. And then from there you go into some of the qualitative information around your program, your programs, so that you can really mm-hmm. tell your, your program story. Um, and then the last field that we have is a platinum field. It's metrics-oriented. And so it's really helping people understand very concretely the differences that you're making. Um, all mm-hmm. of this combined, it's, it's, for, it's more current, it allows you to contextualize the information um, and and helps you to tell your story in a more vibrant way. Okay. And just to reiterate, it costs nothing. Is is that correct for people? Yeah, that's correct. This? Absolutely. You can okay. go online and claim your GuideStar profile. There's absolutely no charge for doing that. Okay. And we have so a what whole community we, website that can help, you know, mm-hmm. people have questions. There's a lot of frequently asked questions and support on our community site as well. Awesome. So so basically this is really just costing your time and your effort yes. to, to do. Is that correct? Yeah, so that's I, exactly I think right. And I would and I would also say hopefully not too much time because a lot of this is really about information you probably already have in your marketing materials, information you probably mm-hmm. have from having written grants in your annual mm-hmm. report. So, you know, these are these are questions and topics that you should you should be able to leverage some of that other hard work that you've already done to tell your story and just to get it in a centralized mm-hmm. place online. And it really helps you to stand out. It does help you understand how, I mean, people want to know um, what what is your organization, how is your organization making a difference? And sometimes it's surprisingly hard to find that information. And so having this framework lets people um, understand more about what you're aiming to accomplish. Um, you know, we have a set of questions around charting impact. So what are you trying to accomplish? What are the strategies that you're using to do that? Um, what mm-hmm. kinds of capacities do you have that are unique to your organization? Um, how will you know if you're making progress, right? Can you can you track that you're mm-hmm. doing more each year or or better each year? Um, 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's also a good place to talk about what you have and haven't accomplished yet. So people know, well, mm-hmm. you know, I've got these three things done and now we're, we're going for number four here. This is kind of the next level of work we want to accomplish. Right. And then what, what I like about this, even if you are a relatively new organization, you're an emerging group, and you may not necessarily be familiar with all of this stuff that we just talked about, um, completing your profile, I, I think, can help you to get a reality check of, you know, what yeah. might be expected of you when you speak with a funder. Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Valerie. These are these are things that are um, these are questions that help an organization to reflect um, and to mm-hmm. sharpen how it thinks about itself, how it thinks about its right. strategies, where it's going next. And so it's it's mm-hmm. a really good tool to communicate out, but it's also a really good tool to reflect inward. Yes, yes. So I, I you know, love one, that. I love it. Mm-hmm. One thing I didn't touch on, and I think we've got a, on slide nine a little bit of perspective on that, um, is that we can also help you stand out by giving you the ability to share more multimedia kinds of things. Um, So you can upload um, videos. You can upload um, links to social media. There's this thing out there called an NTEE code, which is kind of a a way to categorize or tag your organization. You can add those kinds of tags which help people, you know, if you're searching for animal-related issues to make sure people can find you. You can upload your annual report. You can put a lot of material up on that GuideStar site that then really mm-hmm. becomes available as a as a hub to lots of, lots of other um, organizations. We okay. even now, now it's I, really kind of mm-hmm. cool, have a map to let you indicate what your service area is so people can see oh, geographically wow. who you're serving. Oh, that's awesome. So question for you, how many visitors does the GuideStar website get annually? Do you know that number off yeah. the top of your head? You know, so um, I'm going to get this wrong, but I know it's upwards of $6 million and Wow. The, re- the reason I say I'm going to get this wrong is it's it's kind of an incomplete story when I say it's $6 million because I mentioned earlier on Amazon Smile and Facebook and lots right. of other organizations that are taking our data and they're, they're using it to feed their platform. And so we mm-hmm. don't have a way to know what the traffic is on those sites, but we know it's mm-hmm. got a massive multiplier effect. So you start okay. with our site, but then the data is going out and across many different platforms on the Internet, um, really magnifying um, the amount of views that your organization can have. Okay. Well, that That is absolutely good information to have. Okay. So I want to remind our listening audience once more that you're listening to Nonprofit U, and we're speaking with Holly Ivel, the Director of Data Services for GuideStar, and we're looking at ways to use Form 990 for marketing purposes. You can call in with questions right now. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. And while we're waiting for callers, um, I just want to hear from Holly you know, more about your, your Triple B-wise giving alliance with GuideStar, and you're also working with the independent sector to develop charting for impact, which is something you just touched on. Um, can yeah, you tell yeah. us a little bit more detail? Sure. I mean, really the mm-hmm. goal here is to just help organizations tell their story in, in ways that donors and stakeholders can connect with, right? So mm-hmm. when you talk about your strategies or you talk about your programs, really thinking about, using language that other people can, can relate to. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I think there's always a million acronyms in, um, in every sector. Um, so yeah. trying to think about how to, you know, speak plainly and, um, but clearly about your work, mm-hmm. uh, providing yeah. metrics that people can really connect with. So, you know, if you are talking about knowing if your organization is making progress, 
how do the how do the numbers help tell that story? Um, mm-hmm. And talking about the work that you've already done, right? Things that can really help people to understand that you understand the problem deeply, you have the capacity to really um, have an impact in that space. So a lot of the questions um, in that charting impact are about um, helping to communicate those those really critical things um, that give people more confidence that they're investing um, in an organization that's effective. It helps your organization to highlight how you are doing work differently or um, more effectively. It positions you in many ways. Um, you know, these charting impact questions can be compared with other organizations and so can give you a chance to reflect on what are, what's another organization like mine doing? What are their strategies? Mm. Is there something I can learn from them? Um, and and to really sharpen your focus on, on the mission and the, the goals that you have as an organization. Okay, so, so that's what that what advice section mm-hmm. is designed for. Okay. So um, I want to invite our audience to look at slide nine just in case you're following along. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank what you, advice? <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's quite all right. Um, what advice would you give to organizations that use your tools to help them stand out from the crowd? Yeah, I wouldn't. I would not shy away from providing visuals, right? I think people really want to see mm-hmm. the work that you're doing. I think you should be leveraging the work that you've already done on your website and in your annual report. Don't try and reinvent the wheel. You you want your message, you want your marketing materials all to. Um, be cohesive and coherent. And so um, as you're thinking about your profile, you should be, you know, pulling together what are, the, what's the collateral that you have already built? What are the stories that you have already told? Um, putting mm-hmm. your metrics into terms, I'm going to give you an example in a minute of a, of a favorite organization of mine and how they put metrics in a, in a framework that I can, I can totally wrap my mind around as a donor and I can feel good about. Um, mm-hmm. refreshing it regularly, you know, just like mm-hmm. if you have a LinkedIn profile, you don't let it sit stagnant for more than a year. You go in and you update it, so you really want to keep it fresh. Um, mm-hmm. And I think those are kind of the key things, right? Keep it fresh, make it visual, um, make it understandable, leverage what you mm-hmm. already have, so that so that you're you're getting your word out efficiently and consistently. Passionately. Okay. Awesome. So that really also points to some of the best practices that one should use in in developing a profile. Yes. Yeah, you're exactly okay. right. I kind of blurred the two, but that's exactly right. No. No, that's okay. That's okay. All of this stuff overlaps, and and sometimes when ideas are new, when concepts are new, repetition. Is everything. It, it really helps us to to really learn and understand. So I, I have no problem with repetition. Thank you. So <laughs> not a problem. So can you share some excerpts from a strong guide star profile? And and I believe that you might have an example. I do. The, the I do. Slide. So I mm-hmm. I live. Yeah, I live here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and so there's an organization that's really near and dear to me, Valerie. It's the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals in Wake County, so SPCA Mm -hmm. Wake County. Um, It's where both of my cats came from, Um, so I have a a real deep personal investment. And I'm just going to share a few few things, right, that struck me when I went and looked at their profile. They listed Mm -hmm. five metrics. Um, to demonstrate the results they were having in this space. Um, The number of animals adopted, the number Mm -hmm. of pets spayed and neutered, the total Mm -hmm. number of live animal outcomes, so in other words, animals saved from kill shelters, the average Mm -hmm. length of stay for an adult dog or cat, and the number of volunteers. That seems pretty concrete to me, right? I can, that's Mm -hmm. what they're doing. Right, and then all of those things, like I can see, align with their mission and with their programs. It's really, really tight. Okay, can I stop you right there? 
You sure can. Okay. Okay, so what you have just described is, is really uh, a report card of of sorts or a way yeah. of looking at benchmarks, performance management. You know, all these terms that we use that seem to be nebulous or pie in the sky, right. you have just really kind of, or, you know, some yeah, some people, you know, like I said, they look at this as report cards. Other people look at it as a dashboard. Yeah. So those of us who have no clue as to what we're talking about when we talk about benchmarks, performance management, dashboards, and all that good stuff, we we just kind of touched on it. (laughs) I think you're exactly right. right. And it's really at at its bottom level is it's trying to tell people what are we trying to do and how are we doing um, mm-hmm. And those metrics year over year help me to see the organization is doing more, it's doing better, it's growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And, you know, they okay. talk about that. So that's one of the other really nice things about the profile, Valerie, is you, and I talk about you can go in and refresh it. Well, I can, mm-hmm. you know, they can they can report each year, have these numbers changed, have they grown? If they if they haven't grown, is there some thought in the organization as to why? Like maybe the spay and neutering program is actually helping reduce the population, and so that's why they're not seeing as many animals in, right? You, all of that mm-hmm. begins to tell a, a much more complex and compelling story. And, yes, mm-hmm. you know, if you say benchmark, people's eyes glaze over, but you're really just telling your story with data. I love it. And you do such an excellent job. Well, I didn't do this excellent job. The Wake County Animal <laughs> Shelter did an excellent job, and all I did was just highlighted, you know, how great they are in telling their story, which any mm-hmm. organization, you know, can can look at some of our platinum um, uh, transparency seals and get some great ideas on how they can do the same thing. Oh, awesome. And, you know, I guess – to me, that's that is something I would say is is really easy, right? Um, as I mm-hmm. look at, at what organizations um, kind of lessons learned when you, when you look at an organization like that, I think, yeah. mm-hmm. gosh, there's so many ways for organizations to tell their story, to get their word out more mm-hmm. effectively, to do it at scale, right? So that you're not having to go here and here and here, um, and sometimes mm-hmm. uh, you know. You, an organization is just trying, is so focused on its mission, it doesn't realize that a little bit of time invested in putting together this profile and keeping it up um, could make a big difference in their ability to fundraise and to tell their story effectively um, on a much larger scale. Okay, this has been really, really helpful. I'm going to ask um, our caller once more if he has any questions, and then if he doesn't have any questions, we'll just close it. So caller, you're at area code 773-309-8280. I'm getting ready to turn your mic on. If you have any questions or comments, please share. No, I, I don't have any questions. Okay. And again, thank you so much for for calling in, and hope that this has been helpful to you. I know it's been helpful to me. I always learn something. Yes, it has been. And thank you all for putting it on. Thank you, Holly. You're welcome. You're welcome. I appreciate you listening in very much. No problem. No problem. Okay, great. Alrighty, so we have come to the end of our show, and I'd like to thank you again, Holly. Holly, for those of us who are just joining, she's the Director of Data Services for GuideStock. I want to thank you again for being a guest, Holly. And before we go, can you share any parting thoughts and tell our listening audience how they can get in touch with you? Sure. Um, Well, first of all, just thank you again. It's been a real pleasure. I know I'm a little new to being on a webinar, so um, thanks for, for working with me through it. It was exciting to, to talk with you and to share a little bit about how people can leverage um, both the 990 and the GuideStar profile. Um, and I'd be happy to take questions by email. 
Um, my okay. my email address is holly h o l l y dot ivel i v is in victor e l at guidestar dot org, and I'd be happy to chat with anybody, answer questions offline, um, point folks to their profile, help them get started. Okay, great. So thank you again, Holly. I hope this is not your last time. I, you know, I learned a lot, and I know GuideStar has a lot of other programs that we didn't even begin to touch on. I would love to have you come on, you know, uh, and sure. share more information. Absolutely, okay. anytime, Valerie. Okay, great. So I want to thank our listening audience again for listening to Nonprofit You Blog Radio Talk Show. The show will be available for download within about an hour, and be sure to tune in next week. We're actually going to be doing a repeat of of a podcast on performance management and evaluation. So thank you very much, and we will probably not talk again until the next year. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, bye-bye.